Well, hello, and uh, thank you for joining Pastor Mark and myself for another one of our midweek uh, Bible studies. Uh, just a reminder uh, for all of those who are maybe just joining us for the first time, we're working through the book of Acts. Uh, we're on Acts chapter 11 today. And for everybody else who has been following along week by week, uh, thanks for continuing to be able to join us on this journey. A little bit of a shorter chapter this week, uh, still something that is obviously very important. Maybe we can take a little bit more time to dig into a couple of the small details that are there. You'll see some repetitiveness from uh, last week and then also some foreshadowing of some things that are to come in the book and also uh, just for the church in general. Uh, so with that, let's go ahead and jump into Acts chapter 11, uh, beginning at verse 1. It says, The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Usually we read a little bit more, but maybe we just pause there for a second before we start jumping through so many of these different uh, details. You know, right off the bat, it seems like, like Peter is kind of was criticized here. They're getting getting after him. So could you share, Pastor Mark? I mean, it's a, it's a good thing that he's doing, right? He's he's sharing the gospel with people who are around him. Why are these people who are around him so uh, upset about this, what seems to be a small detail? Well, I think what's really interesting uh, to me is that this accusation that they're making sounds eerily familiar to what the Pharisees would say to Jesus. You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, these are fellow believers, fellow Christians of Peter in Jerusalem, the early church. And, I mean, it just hasn't been that long ago since they heard the Pharisees say to Jesus and them, Peter yep. and his disciples, mm -hmm. you went into the house of sinners and tax collectors and you ate with them? I guess it just shows, like, how ingrained in their their person and also just in their culture it was for this separation to exist between different groups of people in particular between jews and gentiles i mean even though they have received the gospel there's still this level of like ah oh, those people like there, there's no way and it's interesting because you see you know again even at this time within the history of the church those uh, elements of bias still on some level uh, exist and have always been around it seems like in people yeah I think we'll see in the as we go through the chapter but it does kind of a preview I mean you can see kind of this preconceived idea of some of the first Christians in Jerusalem that there was this process mm -hmm. that you know yeah okay maybe Gentiles can become Christians but obviously and they have to kind of go through this process. So if they're Gentiles, well, first they have to become Jews, circumcision. Yep. And then, obviously, they can believe in our Jewish Messiah and yeah. Christian. Uh, and obviously Peter's going to tell the story about what happened with uh, Cornelius in the last chapter, last week. And that's where we're going to get to. I'll keep reading here since I read three verses. It says, uh, Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, 
wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up into heaven again. Uh, so, interesting, describes this trance that we talked about before. Yeah. Talks about these animals that are in the sheet that, that comes down. Uh, maybe some of the biggest takeaways here in this element. First of all, uh, maybe back to the beginning there, verse 4. Uh, I like that Peter actually begins to explain himself when he is, uh, if you will, criticized or questioned as to why you did this. Uh, sometimes I think with my personality, uh, to be completely honest, when somebody uh, questions me on something and I know truthfully that it is something in the right, I kind of think maybe sometimes, why are, you, why are you asking this question? Like, stop, like you're almost, not as if somebody's opinion doesn't matter, but you're kind of just offensive, I think, or on the offensive mm -hmm. uh, to people sometimes when they when they question you about something. Maybe sometimes even for us as Christians, we do that, you know, why don't you just know this? Like, it's in, it's in the Bible, you know, why don't, why don't you believe this? And it's so important for us, I think, to be able to take the side of, of being more calm, which I think I see in, in you a lot, Pastor Mark, and that you're able to be able to sit with people and say, you know, well, have, you, have you thought about this? Have you looked into this? And Peter, even with his personality, you got to remember who this is, right? Loudmouth. Yeah. yeah. Quick, quick. Yeah. yeah. This is this is Peter who, who denies Jesus. Peter cutting off ears of people right away. Peter who always wants to, to fight. He takes this time and he's able to explain. So we ever even see, I think, in this moment, this transformation of Peter that's still occurring. This great leader of the church that, again, God is still building his faith and him as a disciple. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a really good point. And I think also just the attack that he took of just, again, with that kind of open, uh, non-confrontational method. But, you know, his, his method was to, okay, I know kind of where you're coming from, but let me just walk you through what yeah. God did yeah. and what I saw and heard and what happened. And if you've seen what I've seen, I think you'll believe what I believe. Kind of a, an approach to it. Yeah, he, uh, like you said, he walks I mean, with He's like, I was in a, like, I'm just on the roof praying, and then I'm in this trance. Yeah. God is showing me this vision. And then somehow an angel spoke to this Gentile and told him to come get Simon, who's called Peter, and bring him to from Joppa to my house. And and then it goes on, obviously, the gift of the Spirit. And that kind of validates it, too, right? It talks about in verse 10 that this happened three times. Uh, I, I like that because, you know, it talks about him having this vision. It isn't like, you know, was I just waking up in the morning and I was tired? that this really happened, you know, the Lord kind of makes it, uh, this imprint on him over and over again to show the importance there. For sure. Yeah. So we're on verse 11. 11. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me. Uh, so these are the six of his brothers, in other words, Christians, staying with him in Joppa. And I thought, interestingly, uh, according to Matthew 18, you need three witnesses mm. uh, when you go to, so they were sending twice as many 
witnesses as needed Interesting. to verify something that was happening or going to happen there. So six brothers went with him, and we entered the man's house. This was Cornelius's house, we know. Uh, he told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. And this is my thing I just keep harping on, right? How does the Holy Spirit work, right? It's through this message, mm. the good news. And Peter's going to tell him, God sent a Savior, died on the cross for your sins. God raised him up from the dead, as astounding as that is, uh, to prove he is God, to prove that our eternal life has been secured. And it's through that message, obviously. I, and I love the word that's, that's used there when that message is delivered by the Holy Spirit, that concept of this, this household, because it's, it's not just Cornelius. It's not just him and his eldest son, him and his spouse, him, him and servant. his family. It is, right? Yeah. That's what the household element is there. Whoever is under that roof or whoever is a part of his clan, if you will, is all a part of this. I mean, so you're talking about servants, people who they would have looked at. They're not just maybe outside of the faith or outside of being a Jew, but there's somebody that's even this lower class, too. And so now you see, again, the message of Christ being opened up, as it uh, says over and over again in Scripture, to all people. And that, I think that's such a special element there, uh, again, that just the Lord continues to come uh, for, for everyone. And we see that harped upon as we continue here. And then as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning, Pentecost. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? Yeah. When we talk about that a lot, but we talked about last week, I know, with baptism. Mm -hmm. you know, who are we to refuse a gift from God or to block uh, prevent someone from receiving a gift from their Heavenly Father. Yeah, or even question the means of grace, right? Like, why would God deliver this through bread and wine? Why is this delivered through water? Why does he ask me to, well, because he's God, you know, and who are we to be able to oppose God? Mm -hmm. uh, so verse 18, uh, when they heard this, these are uh, Peter's colleagues back in Jerusalem, basically, uh, the Jewish Christians. Uh, when they heard this, they had no further objections, and they actually praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. <laughs> I, I do love that. Even the, even the Gentiles, you know, and who would, who would we fill in that blank, you know, with today? And I guess you could uh, say any group of, of people that maybe seem unlikely to be able to have the Holy Spirit placed upon them, or even a certain individual that we may have in our lives. But that happens, right? God is able to do all things. Why wouldn't he be able to convert these, these people? But it's nice because it kind of ends in like this element of celebration, right? Uh, the questioning comes to an end, and they're able to celebrate the work that the Lord has done. Right. And, uh, you know, this is one of the first examples we have in our church history of conflict within the within the church, mm. conflict within the congregation. And sometimes conflicts are uh, uh, 
about very significant things mm. like uh, Martin Luther had a conflict with the Pope Leo X and all his ilk um, regarding how we're saved. Mm -hmm. you know, can we save ourselves with good works? It's a pretty significant uh, conflict. I would say that's actually over uh, 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 competing visions. Like this is a, a big picture kind of an issue. Uh, I think here though is an example of where the brothers and sisters of the faith had a common goal. They were going out to spread the good news, right? It, and we get into it as the persecution came to Jerusalem, they, they scattered and, and took the message with them. Uh, they were all about uh, sharing this good news. God has sent a savior. Um, the conflict was over how does this happen? Mm -hmm. So it really wasn't, uh, you know, the, uh, the people who were pointing fingers at, at Peter, they weren't saying Gentiles can't be saved. Their whole point was, well, yeah, of course they can be saved, but they kind of become Jewish first, yeah. and then they become <laughs> yeah. a Christian. It's just kind of about, right just kind of how do we get to the so you want maybe strategy or tactics? It was kind of on that level mm -hmm. in in the organization, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think one of the things uh, I'm, I'm not always calm and in, in conflict, <laughs> but but I think one of the things that's helped me over the years is to be able to distinguish. Uh, the con is this something that rises to the level of, you know, reformation and excommunication? Yeah. <laughs> Usually it's not. Usually in a family we all have the same goal. Uh, we're just coming at it from different perspectives right. or yep. different backgrounds or preconceived ideas, and we just need to sit down and work through those things. So. Yeah, that's a good breakdown of how to be able to to think about that. And like you mentioned, I mean, that's the next step. This kind of goes into is looking at uh, kind of a, the other half of this section here, the church in Antioch, and it really does, you know, start off with growth through that persecution. Uh, verse 19, uh, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection uh, with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Um, and so we see that kind of continued theme in the book of Acts, uh, this persecution often that happens, but even just beside that, the element of people going out and the Lord using them to gain more believers. Right, and, you can, and we're also seeing again that concentric circles yes. from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And so now they're going out to Phoenicia, which is basically in Lebanon, just a little north of Israel, right? Uh, was it Cyprus, which is, I think, the closest island in the Mediterranean to, to Israel? Mm. And then you got Antioch. Now we're getting into toward Greece. We're just slowly going further and further out with the good news. And again, uh, you know, this is all within the first few years after Jesus ascended into heaven. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, just that ripple effect that continues to occur. Uh, you want to pick up for us in verse 25? Sure. 
Then Barnabas uh, went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Remember, he's been in, in, uh, in Tarsus for mm. a while now, going to seminary, <laughs> they kind of joked about. Uh, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, think about that, a whole year, Barnabas and Saul, we know it's Paul, uh, met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Barnabas, the encourager, hmm. you see him going and he, he he's this Jewish Christian. He goes to Antioch, he sees Gentiles coming to faith. He's like, man, this is right up Saul's alley here. I'm gonna go and get him, I'm gonna encourage him to come and share his story and share his experience with Jesus. And for a year, they spent a year of their life in this one city. It's a long time, especially when you think about how often they moved around. Mm -hmm. uh, think about their ministry time periods. It's a, it's a big investment there. Yeah. I mean, this is the foothold, I guess, or maybe the first in, kind of foothold in Europe, basically. Is the... I guess so, yeah. That would, make, that would make the most sense that that's kind of exactly what that would be geographically in, in the time period. Uh, it's an interesting element there. I also like, too, that that just piece that's thrown in there, the disciples were called Christians first in this place. And that's a word that we throw around, obviously, today all the time in, in the church and out in the world. You know, you tell people or ask them, I am a Christian, are you a, a Christian, different things like that. And what are we saying in that? And most of us know we would say, well, we're followers of Christ, we're these disciples, and that is a piece of it. But a big part of that word, too, isn't just this this follower of Christ that we are doing this, but that we that we belong to Him, that we yeah. that we are His, and that really is a special title. And so maybe even just this week or moving forward, when we hear that word or think about that, maybe think about that in your mind too. But what does that mean that you are a Christian? Well, that you belong to the Lord, and and do we live our lives uh, by His Spirit, knowing that that we belong to Him? Does that help uh, in our decision making process? Or how we interact with others. Not that, you know, here and there I decide I'm going to follow him today or I'm going to follow him at this point, because that's how it almost seems, I think, when, when you're the follower, it's almost like you get to decide when this is there and we do have that, that free will. But when you belong to Christ uh, and, and are in him, it's almost like his spirit is really dictating those things for us. I really like the activity uh, the sense of movement and, and, and living in your in your definition there. I think a lot of times Christianity, I'm a Christian, it sounds more, I don't know, this is kind of my own perception, I guess, but just static, like just a religion, like you're Muslim or you're Jew or you're yeah. Christian. But, yeah, and it is, even in the Greek, the Christianos, it's, it's right there in the Word, that, you know, on this rock, on Christ, you know, he will build his church, his, his people. We are connected to Christ, we're following Jesus. It's our, it's our life. It's who we are. It does something. It's uh, a good point you pull out of you in that, uh, talking about that active, of that living. Because when you just say something is, you know, when you say your shirt is blue, well, okay, it, it is, but what does that mean? You know, you are a Christian, you know, what does that mean? But to talk about something being something different that affects or changes things, uh, you know, blue dye, for instance, you know, blue dye does something. It creates something and same thing for us as christians you know do we do we do something are we affecting and changing things around us because we are truly living it's not just a, a stamp that we have on ourselves yeah that's great good all right last little uh, section here verse 27 
Now during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders in Jerusalem uh, by Barnabas and Saul. So this is a, well, there's a, a lot of cool things here. Um, okay, well, let's jump with the prophet first, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think there's, you know, we've, we've had a couple of miracles uh, already in the book of Acts, well, more than a couple, without talking too much about the work of the Holy Spirit in, in the book of Acts and the early church and the miraculous ways God uh, sent signs and, and testified to his word. And uh, it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. And I've just from Lutheran missionaries that I've, I've known and, and talked to, uh, you know, when they go to parts of the world where there is no written word, there is mm. no scripture mm. in the hands, they have also seen miracles. God's Spirit show up and do things like this in the book of Acts where you think, like, well, that doesn't happen anymore, or it's rare. But, uh, it, you know, God's Spirit is still at work, and it's all about of course bringing people to Jesus it's all about pointing people to the way yeah and interesting here this this miracle that's named right is this uh well this it's a real prediction prophecy, yeah, prophecy <laughs> that that comes comes about and it's pretty specific too of mm -hmm. the what's going to happen uh, who made the prediction the time period during the reign of Claudius and so it's interesting to see all the again these details that come out in the book of in the book of Acts, but uh, you know I think this is one of the first times we start seeing within you know this development of the new church of the, these predictions that are made you know following uh, the death and resurrection of Christ and it's pretty interesting and uh, I saw a note here in my Bible that uh, I didn't even think about that this individual Agabus that's here pops up later on and, and does the same thing later on. This isn't just like a one-off, you know. Yeah that he's recorded as being able to, to do this again, that this is a gift that this individual uh, seems to have. But interestingly enough, you know, people in this moment, they seem to respond to this prediction that he makes, right? It isn't all about, whoa, how cool is it that he did this? He's got this, but it's all about the response. Oh, mm -hmm. thanks, Lord, for being able to, to show us this coming and be able to... Uh, use that air and it's so the lord doesn't eliminate it right it still happens but people are allowed to prepare even like with i think about like uh joseph right when he is able to be able to uh predict the famine that's coming or different things mm -hmm. that are happening and the people are able to uh prepare god doesn't stop the problem and just say hey this was going to happen just so everybody knows but i'm going to eliminate it which is i think how we would like the problems in our life to go but he says, you know, I'm going to prepare you for this. And doesn't God do that for you and I? He doesn't maybe say, hey, you know, hey, just so you know, in two months from now, your job that you think is going so well, not going to be going so well. Or, hey, you know that relationship that you have over here? Man, you got a, you got a rocky area that's coming. But he prepares us of being able to, to be in the, the word, of being able to be connected again, that we belong to him. So when those things do come, Maybe they're not eliminated from our lives, 
but that we have been prepared to be able to face them knowing, again, that, that Christ has won all things for us. Kind of what we talked about in the messages last week, that concept of hope that really exists in us. Yeah, and you just see what a great example of serving our family of faith, too. Mm. And I think it's really cool that, well, there's so many things here. So first you've got uh, this mother church in Jerusalem, and they've sent out Barnabas and Saul to go out and kind of to Antioch and share the good news with the Gentiles. They're cool with it now, right? But now it's, it's this it's this daughter congregation. Mm. It's this church plant that is sending gifts back to Jerusalem where the famine will be and, and is uh, during the reign of Claudius. Uh, they're supporting, they're, you know, very tangibly, you know, the physical needs, the human care, if you will, of their of their family of faith back in Jerusalem and Judea. So that's pretty cool. And this really talks about, you know, when we when we first kind of started this study, when we were in the second chapter, talking about, you know, all the believers being together, having everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, and um, they gave to everyone as he had need. And that's really where we kind of conclude at here too, uh, talking about, you know, they did this each according to their ability. It wasn't like somebody was supposed to provide something that it was unexpected. If they can't do it, they can't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, but also they, they all do it. Everybody is taking their responsibility and doing their, their part. They're not using excuses. I don't have enough. I, my ability doesn't fit that. They're using what God has given to them. And they do all these things, again, like you mentioned, sending their, their gifts to be able to go out and continue to support these efforts. And you see, you know, it's through the selfless acts of people motivated by the Spirit that the church continues to not just grow, but to even just be sustained, right? You know, there's a lot of things that could have happened over the history of the world to really crush the spirit of the church and try to push it out. You know, they face so many onslaughts, just normal things, right? Of of being able to have, you know, facing hunger, you know, something that probably most of us don't face today. Uh, but, you know, our church may be going through things today, or and I just say that as the church crossed the world, but we still need to figure out, so what can we do to be able to support believers around us to be able to see that church continue to thrive? Because we said it in the book of Acts, and now today, God uses people to be able to push this mission uh, uh, forward and everything. Yeah, and I think that's something that, you know, remember Barnabas the Encourager, mm. right? And he started off at the beginning of this, right? Selling everything he had yep. to give to the, yep. the church and get it going. Uh, and he's still encouraging people to serve their neighbors. I think that's something probably we uh, can always do a better job of communicating uh, how we're doing, uh, how our members are serving our neighbors, how as a congregation we're serving our neighbors, uh, and being an, an encourager, mm. because Paul writes uh, uh, another place. Paul talks about how, you know, the, obviously the devil's always at work trying to make us grow weary of doing good, right? Paul's like, don't grow weary of doing good. Uh, let's keep encouraging each other in serving the Lord, serving our neighbors. Uh, this is the greatest testimony, really, that we have. The love that we have. Uh, yeah, the kind word, uh, especially in our Lord, goes a, goes a long way with people, whether they're having a great day or or not. You know, just to be able to have that support from others is a it's a it's a big deal in the way that the Lord has uh, wired and created us. With that, I think we're done for the day. Thirty yeah, verses, a little bit, little bit shorter. 
Uh, we hope you join us next week again and continue to follow along. Uh, as always, if you have any questions or there's something that stood out to you in our study, uh, please email uh, myself and Pastor Mark and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We'll, we'll even accept off-topic questions if you got something. Oh, really? Open it up. Okay. Up. That's fine. That's fine. Are right, you going to close first prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gift of your spirit that gives us uh, faith in Jesus Christ, and the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray that you would use us uh, individually and uh, as a congregation uh, to connect people to Jesus near and far, uh, even those who are maybe we would think least likely uh, to come to faith in Jesus um, for whatever preconceived ideas that we have. Uh, I would love to be able to to share stories of your Holy Spirit working through us uh, to bring them, even them, uh, to faith in Jesus. And we also pray for the work that you've set before us to do. Uh, help us be united in our mission and our vision here at Desert Foothills, our church and our preschool, uh, again, to connect people to Jesus. And uh, just encourage each other as we serve our families, our neighbors, and our community. For these things, Lord, and everything else you know that we need, Grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Have a good week. See you next time.